thank you everybody for joining me here on the High Ground Podcast. I am super stoked to have everyone come back. I was so excited last week when I heard all of you guys talk about the Phantom Menace because that's what I was going to talk about this week. So I'm happy to have you guys all back. Thank you so much for joining me. Good to be back. Thank you for the invite. All right, beautiful. Well, why don't we go ahead and, and jump into it. So the Phantom Menace came out. This was an event movie. Um, you know, it, it being a, a first, right? We had no Star Wars for over a decade. And then we had this come out. So I figured we'll do the clockwise thing. And uh, I don't know if you guys are in the same orientation, but Travis, <laughs> uh, I, I got I to gotta hear about your, your experience with going in and seeing The Phantom Menace. Oh man, the Phantom Menace, like, I like the word hype wasn't really a thing back then, but the hype was very real. Um, and I think the way George Lucas, like, just the way history, the events laid out were very fortuitous, in that he had re just released the uh, the 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 special edition in 1997. Mm -hmm. And so coming off of that, like, super excitement was the announcement of episode one. And so you had just about two years to wait for that, and it felt like forever. But uh, I just remember gearing up, like, I, I started collecting uh, Star Wars Insider magazine at that time <laughs> and reading every little thing I could. Um, so I, I knew, like, pretty much the whole, like, plot of the movie before I even watched it <laughs> and uh like I knew all the characters names like they had um all the Pepsi cans and stuff that you could collect with the their character faces and stuff I collected all of those I even found a, a golden Yoda uh diet Pepsi can I was so excited it was I was in high school mind you and I saw it in the garbage <laughs> and I <laughs> I had no shame. I just dove into the garbage can, like, and pulled it. I was like, I found a Yoda! Yeah, and, like, everybody's like, whoa, freak. Ah, so those were the dogs. So it is times. another man's treasure. I get it. <laughs> and uh, it was even, like, kind of crinkled, you know, and I, like, like had to, like, blow air into it to get it back into shape. Oh, no. But I didn't care. Um, so Worth it. So worth it. And then I ended up losing them later, but but it's okay. I have the memory. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I remember my dad taking me to the theater uh, like the day before to get our tickets. And I was so shocked we didn't have a line to wait in. It was like 2, 2 p.m. And and I remember we're, we were thinking, we're like, we're already here at the movie theater. Why don't we go see a movie? And the thing that, was, that had just come out was The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> and uh, so me and my dad Emo tap. Emo tap. Yeah. That's, that's a and, classic. Yeah. And then the day after we saw Port, uh, Phantom Menace and it was just, it was so good. Anyway, I mean, I was yeah. 14, so of course I loved it. <laughs> How about you, Jake Hev? So a lot was going on for me when this movie came out. Of course, I was also very excited because of the re-releases of the originals. I was one of the few Gen Xers who were like, yeah, the digital effects are awesome. I'm glad he added them. 
most <laughs> people seem to hate it, but it's for the same kind of reasons we talk about every generation seeming to have a bunch of people that don't like anything new because they like what they loved growing up as kids when they did not at all like try to, to critically analyze anything. Yeah. Uh, so that's just kind of like they have this nostalgia bias. So I, at that point, I was already trying to tackle some of that in my life. I had just uh, 11 days before it was released, I graduated from college. And 10 days before it was released, I got married. So it was a busy summer. And then yeah. I would go overseas like a few weeks after that. So in between, somebody and I went to see The Phantom Menace. And you know, we were super excited. And you know, I don't hang around with toxic people as a rule. So we were all having a good time and <laughs> really enjoyed it. Um, it was different, but, you know, we looked at the uh, new special effects and everything and thought, wow, movies have come a long way rather than, oh, this isn't like what I'm used to. So yeah. I was just really excited just to have new Star Wars content like I am today. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is going to get better and better. Uh, you know, I'll, we'll get to the Attack of the Clones in another podcast, maybe. And <laughs> I still liked it. I wasn't as excited. But then, of course, the third one was just phenomenal to me uh, and to a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, I loved it. Awesome. Uh, Shaylee? Well, I was two when it came out. So I don't remember the first <laughs> time I saw it. But I do know that I loved it growing up. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't have, like, a set, like, this is the first time I saw it. I was too young. But, um. I did try to watch it, like, the. I've watched it, for some reason, I've watched The Phantom Menace, like, five times since the quarantine started. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I just, it's one of those that I could watch over and over. But um, I did try to, like, put myself in the mentality of somebody who had only seen the originals, like, going to the theaters to see the prequels for the first time. And, like, I know that I would probably be, like, this is so different. But I would be very excited, because, like, it's, like, a good different, in my opinion. But um, I do know that if I had seen it in theaters the first time, I, my, I would be like, this doesn't even feel like the same. It didn't, it doesn't have the same feel. Like, it's so different. Mm. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if it got much hate immediately. I don't know. Maybe somebody can answer that for me. But I imagine some people might have felt that way, too. Was yeah. that a thing? Mostly were questions for a while. So it's kind of like with The Force Awakens. A lot of people were really excited just to have new Star Wars mm. content. And then you know, some of the voices started emerging of, well, this doesn't make sense, and then everybody gets on that bandwagon, but yeah, and the internet was just sort of emerging still as a medium for people in the late 90s. Uh, it was not, I mean, there weren't all the social media things that we have today, so it wasn't quite as like, like, you know, just wildfire that just exploded when the movies came out, but it, you know, we, things got around, and People made their reviews, and yeah, it was interesting. Either way, I know I would have loved it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. so hype. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like I said, it, it didn't it didn't get the uh, the reviews, and there was there was some hate, but it was a lot quieter than because you know I if think you weren't looking for it, you didn't see it. You know, you'd have to yeah. look for it to find it, or be accosted for it. But back then, those are the days when we used to hide that we liked Star Wars. So, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was, that's right. <laughs> I, I think the real hate started to flare up w after Attack of the Clones mm -hmm. because that kind of, you know, just something about that movie, a lot of people were disappointed. Um, and I think The Phantom Menace actually did, didn't really disappoint necessarily as a movie. It's just, I think Jar Jar Binks was the one thing that people hated on the most. 
Yeah. Uh, but the movie itself, I don't think anyone really was that pissed off about. Because there were the big memorable moments, right? Like the pod race, yeah. uh, but especially the fight at the end with Maul. So that was what a lot of people were talking about. And that's what George yeah. Lucas and company were banking on anyway. But he was also, you know, as we all know, banking on Jar Jar Binks being the key to everything in Phantom Menace. And <laughs> it just, he was so disappointed at the reaction uh, that he got. Yeah. I because I, I rewatched the the making of for the Phantom Menace and just mm-hmm. hearing him he says that quite a bit. Jar Jar is the key to everything, and that right. <laughs> so funny. It just makes me laugh. Also, I have to say I have so much more immense respect for uh, for uh, Ahmad Best. Yeah. Um, watching best. him watching him perform Jar Jar like you can hate the character, but we all forgot that that was a real guy <laughs> yeah. doing the stuff. That's how yeah. good his performance was. That's just, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and the hate at- that he got was awful. And uh, this was even, I mean, there were two actors in that movie, especially that got a lot of hate and neither one of them were girls, which is kind of the surprising thing. Uh, although Natalie Portman got her own from Hollywood. Uh, she <laughs> couldn't get a job for a while. Uh, even though she was in the biggest blockbuster, you know, of the time, and they still didn't want to give her. She's talked a lot about this. It almost ruined her career, as it did a couple of others. Oh. Star Wars fans gotta love them. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for Taken, you know, Liam, Liam Neeson, you'd be <laughs> in the gutter. All right, all right. So, real quick, lightning round. We're gonna go around your favorite character in the movie, Travis. Oh, uh, Darth Maul, I think. All right, Jacob. Oh my gosh, it's really hard. Ob one, maybe. All right, <laughs> Shaylee. It may be too basic, but whenever I watch it, I think Qui Gon's my favorite. All right, he's and, just so wise. And obviously, the man, the myth, the legend, Boss Nass, is is mine. Just. No, I actually. Um, I love Liam Neeson's performance in, in the movie uh, myself. I think he added the, the gravitas uh, the <laughs> behind it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll jump to like the movie starts and then boom, we actually get to see Jedi in their prime for the first time ever. Uh, like we always only dreamed about that or seen it in video games or, or whatnot. Um, and yeah, I mean, how, how did you guys feel? And uh, sorry, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. We'll start with Jake. <laughs> so that was really exciting. It was kind of uh, a little bit different of a beginning than some of the other films that just started off with, uh, you know, just explosions and everything. But then it got to it pretty quickly uh, on a smaller scale because they were trying to build up, which was great. But to see the two Jedi, of course, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get into more of what I think about like protagonists and antagonist stuff later, probably. <laughs> but uh, it, it was just fun to finally see uh, the the beginning, like so much anticipation. So it didn't disappoint me. Yeah, and then also, um, sorry to do a switch on you, but uh, why don't we just talk about the whole kind of beginning portion, right? We have the Jedi landing. Uh, we get to see them for the first time. Uh, we get to see some some uh, vaguely. Japanese, <laughs> uh, you know. Then they they drop down to to the planet, uh, and then we go to um, Urugunga for for the first time. Just just mm-hmm. kind of your thoughts on the beginning of the film. 
Yeah, so just seeing new locations like the one that's in your background right there, the underwater scapes, the uh, just even the forest of, of Naboo. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I I had a video where I was putting like a you know a, a censored mark right there as he's swimming <laughs> away, but uh, yeah, it's it was just really exciting to see something so new. And even though there's a lot of story beats that hit as like rhymes to the originals, as, as George Lucas would say and uh it still added a lot of new elements and new places we'd never seen before even though we always end up at a desert planet but uh yeah <laughs> it was great i really love that whole beginning sequence and just kind of setting up like where's this going but anybody who had really paid attention to the originals and grew up with them like i did you saw okay you, you already knew who the phantom menace was you, you it, it was beginning to be pretty clear you start to see palpatine and you're like yeah okay i see I see the game he's playing a little bit, but it was just interesting to see how it unfolded. So still built up yeah. a lot of anticipation for me. And the beautiful part is in these films and even in the Clone Wars series, you actually, we all know it's Palpatine, but they mm -hmm. never reveal it. They never reveal it. There's one scene where um, Padme is talking to him and she leaves and he has this like little tiny, like hint of a smile just mm -hmm. starting. And you're like, oh, I got you. <laughs> Ian McKellen did such a good job. Yeah. Uh, Shaylee? Um, one thing, whenever I watch the original trilogy, and it, it's supposed to be this way because it's like after a war and the Empire's taken over and it's kind of grungy, like everybody's kind of just getting by. But one thing that the beginning of The Phantom Menace does really well is like set up like just like bam, 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 like space station Jedi with full awesome fighting that's like way better than what we've ever seen because they're more trained and like all these awesome locations like it really just like set immediately like set a good tone for the prequel trilogy which is supposed to be like the peak of the jedi instead of just like in the original trilogy when it's kind of like everybody's just getting by so like that's one thing i love about the whole beginning of the phantom menace it's like bam 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 like set the tone and the, the like the grandness and the awesomeness of like star wars and like the jedi and the republic and all that so I just love how it set the tone. It's so good. <laughs> it's a little much sometimes, like <laughs> like the force dash, but it's it's amazing. So <laughs> yeah, force speed is 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 weird and it's a one off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? Actually, that's force speed was already canon before that. Yeah, and it's many just people like people don't remember, much. but uh, in a little movie called uh, Ewok Adventure, <laughs> my take, favorite. Teak, you know the little white guy that zooms around. Do you not remember him? I've seen it. <laughs> no, no. You don't remember that? I, I, it's been I decades did, since I, I saw that movie. I, I mean, okay. I did watch Caravan of Courage, uh, and I, 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 but I dumped those There's this little files. furry. <laughs> it's this little furry creature that like hangs out. Like the, there's like the little girl, and like she's lost in the forest, or whatever and uh he's her little friend and he just like he's really cute and he like zooms he's like a flash he like zooms everywhere he goes he's like on crack was so it the stock was a krish guy i don't remember his name's I, I, I cleared my cash uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too mostly <laughs> well you'll see you you watch it watch those movies oh, again i you'll gotta see. find it i gotta watch them. now legends of course but yeah still yeah it's just the, the, the beginning of the phantom menace can be like a little try hard <laughs> like 
when it was setting up the Jedi for the first time, but I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's what was cool is is Lucas went full out. He went yeah. full Lucas, and those didn't hold back. I mean, we got introduced to like within the first five minutes, we see a new location, we see a bunch of new species, we see a bunch mm-hmm. of new droids, we get introduced to destroyer droids, which are badass. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, I've always just like. I mean, how do you win? Um, we, <laughs> we got to see new force abilities. Uh, we got introduced to um, intergalactic trade law. <laughs> Yay. And what, when I was little, I had no idea what was going on, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm not like with the originals. I just really didn't understand the politics. In fact, all the scenes were mm-hmm. kind of jumbled for me until I got old enough to like go back and rewatch the originals in order and say, Oh, that's the order that happened in. So yeah. I'm sure that was the same with the prequels for a lot of people. Yeah. Same yeah. here. And you know, but I can't complain because you know, the negotiations were short. <laughs> that's right. We we got a lot of, thing, master. I love that line too. A lot of meme <laughs> fuel. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Travis, the beginning, your thoughts. Oh, uh, well, um, uh, Shaylee actually uh, echoed some of my thoughts from the last podcast we did about the prequels how you know I just love the way they set up the Jedi you know that's what we were expecting to see like Jedi in their prime and and we saw all these new force abilities they we'd never seen before and the part that really blew my mind was seeing a lightsaber actually melting through uh, like a three foot thick door like i i never thought it was still coming about... through <laughs> it's impossible yeah yes. and like i never like had imagined that there was that much power you know in a lightsaber um and so that was really cool to see uh, but but just everything about the way that that segment or that that sequence was set up is very subtle you know, you have the, the their, their spacecraft landing in the that Federation ship, and it's it's like you don't expect action necessarily. Uh, you know, they're Jedi, but they're they're going there peacefully. But then when everything just b- breaks, uh, falls apart, basically, and, uh, you're you're just thrust into the action. Uh, I really enjoyed enjoyed that, and you get lore. You get this conversation between Qui Gon and Obi Wan, setting up their relationship immediately, and how you know he trusts the the Force, the Living Force, you know. And you you get a lot of stuff just right in that first five minutes. How'd you guys feel about Amidala first time you saw her, and just kind of freeform speak out? <laughs> Any thoughts? On I Amidala? thought the reveal was very interesting. Um, you know how it was. Pad, do you mean before we knew Padme was Amidala? Before we uh, knew, we just because okay. we see we see their little Skype call. Right, yeah. right, yeah, um, that was interesting. It was kind of robotic, but I kind of understood like she was in like this whole getup, and she was trying to be very formal. So that part never really bothered me. Um, I thought it was interesting to see somebody because we see a princess in the originals, but we don't. I mean, she's the closest we get to some kind of like you know, high up figure and she's mostly in the trenches, you know, in the garbage chute and everything else. So to see this uh, very proper queen was very interesting to me. 
Yeah. And then we, we find out, um, I, I just finished the uh, Queen's Peril book, and uh, it's also in the Queen's Shadow, but the reason for the voice is that they had to all be interchangeable, so she couldn't mm-hmm. speak with her natural voice because mm-hmm. it would be clear oh. that it's this person's natural and they are mimicking it. So they all decided it'd be better if they all mimicked the same voice. Right. And it also was very um, even keel so that she wouldn't... Um, let on what she was thinking at certain times so she had to keep perfectly still also the headdress yeah the headdress was a pain to put on as well so she had to keep still so she didn't fall over that's (laughs) that's actually a thing one of the handmaidens remade a lot of her stuff to make it lighter and more breathable Hmm. awesome book um yeah and also her uh she she followed in the tradition of that you know leia in, at least in A New Hope, had kind of a, a British accent, and she's an American actress, you know, so it, it follows in that same footsteps. For a few lines, right? And yeah. then she kind of <laughs> yeah. let it go, but she was trying to be proper. Stench. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, <laughs> and I was brought on board. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Pat, like, uh, what's her name? Uh, the actress, she, uh, she's American, but Amidala is completely, even though it's a fake voice, like you're saying, it's British. Plus, practically, they had to lower her voice a little bit so that you couldn't tell her from Kira Knightley. Um, yeah. Although, I, I think they dubbed her over Kira's. I mean, I, I don't know that for a fact. I need to go back and watch that part of the commentary, but it just sounds like the same voice to me, and I have a thing for voices, so uh, I think okay. they did a pretty good job of masking it. I think they did a great job casting, because the, they both of those actresses, Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley, at least at 14, they, they did look very similar and speak this, very similar. And Sofia Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> that movie to this day, this movie is the reason to this day I get Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley mixed up. If you put two pictures up of them next to each other, I get them mixed up every time. I'm like, that one's Keira Knightley. And they're like, that's Natalie Portman, Shirley. It's Favorite the Natalie Portman movie. Fault. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking they should have interchanged for each other still. Like, that would be interesting. <laughs> like, if she didn't want to be, you know, Lady Thor all of a sudden, well, Karen Knightley's got a job. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, why don't we go and jump to kind of towards the, the middle, right? So, uh, you know, the guys, they land on the planet, uh, get back together, you know, they have to flee the planet, they outrun the, um, the blockade, and we get introduced to R2, R2-D2. We find out he's been chilling here this whole time and just like, I don't know, I'm kind of curious, like, does he have a backstory that predates the Phantom <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, he was the only one that fixed the ship. But yeah, we, we go from there into Tatooine, meeting Anakin, the pod race, um, and the first mall fight. Uh, any of those jump out? We'll start with Shaylee. Um, yeah, the pod race obviously is just chef's kiss. <laughs> I think at the time I thought it was boring, like as a kid. And then as you get older and watch it, I, I enjoyed it more, which I feel like should be backwards. But I love the pod racing scene. I think it's very different um, from the rest of the movie. And then it's so bizarre, but I almost forgot as a kid about that first mall fight 
Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about it. And then like what like the more I rewatch it as an adult, I'm like, I forgot this is a thing. It's actually really cool. Like that first fight. And I'm sure it was so hype in the theaters. Like anytime you got to see oh, yeah. the Jedi like let loose, it was like ah! and like <laughs> Anakin, so, Anakin drop. drop. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, so the the Tatooine part, there's a lot of good moments and a lot of moments where I'm like this is dragging a little bit, <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely the pod race. Savalba's pod racer sound gives me so much life. I don't know why. Every time I watch that movie, I hear it. I'm like, oh, childhood. It's so good. God, the scene where he's right behind Anakin and you just feel the yeah, and then like, like, and then at that moment, that's when the music starts creeping up and up and up. The music is so like, good in that scene too. It takes off. No music until the end of the final lap. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So the way they util- utilize the silence to just to build tension in that race—it's genius. Yeah. And I'm like a big Sebulba stan. I love Sebulba <laughs> so much. Like his I character design nine. is really cool. Like, like it was like a good another like setting the tone for like the grandness of Star Wars prequels. Like mm-hmm. how like visually it's so stunning. He's got a cool character design. I love Savulva so much. He's scary. <laughs> Walking on sand. Yeah, no, he was like, a, uh, it was a spider, um, a monkey, and a camel is what they put together to come up with Savulva. <laughs> and so one of the things I, I love is when um, when Watto rolls the uh, chance cube, the, the background behind it is that it, it's a loaded dice and it's supposed to land uh, on red, mm. and so yeah, because it's only one, red around four sides, right? And as long as you throw it a certain way, it should never fall over on the blue, from what I could tell. Uh, yeah, but it was actually weighted too. Like it was right. like it's it's a loaded dice, and mm. so he was cheating, but it didn't come oh, up, yeah. and, th- and that's why he instantly so, got mad. <laughs> he's like, "Well, yeah. he's not going to win anyways," and that's why later he's like, "It wasn't a fair bet," and you're like, "Well, how do you know it was?" Either way, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna bring up how in that scene, Sebulba's in the background getting massaged by Twilex I, in preparation I mean, for the race. I mean, he's having you know, a good old time back there. Yep. If you got it, your life for you. If you got it, flaunt it. You know. <laughs> even the little dice thing, though, is such a one of. Even though it's like such a small moment, it's one of those moments where I was like, the Jedi are so cool. <laughs> they can do anything. <laughs> like the force is so useful. <laughs> that moment, that's, though, that's shows the <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, that moment shows a little bit of a sort of a conflict. I think in Qui Gon, the whole movie, he seems to be like, "We're just going to allow the force to guide us. We're we're not going to worry about things." And yet he interjects himself there. It's like fate is not going to be just left up to fate. I'm going to decide it. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm directly going to manipulate this outcome, and he did. So it seems like he's not totally convinced of his own ideals, sort of, of the Force, but it's still... That's another reason he's my favorite, is because it's not so, like, clean cut. He's very Mm -hmm. different. He's very, like... But it's not in an evil way. He's just very wise, and I think he knows that there's certain times where you do some things, but, like, instead of being so strict Jedi code, like, "Ah, I'm an angel. (laughs) That's another reason I love Qui-Gon. Speaking of angels... Are you an angel? I hate that uh, line. Why are there angels in Star Wars? No, no, but in the Clone Wars, we actually see one. 
Um, On the planet of Diego, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Iago. And in the Clone Wars, um, Obi-Wan goes to Iago and actually meets one of these angels. And I, yeah. I, I'm definitely gonna put one of these on on the screen so we, we can that see. What looks like oh, I'm I'm hype. Not only that, but we got the uh, cameos by uh, Quinlan Voss and uh, and Aura Singh during the race. Aura Singh, yep. Yeah. Um, and also, it makes me happy when I see the Sand People do their like thing because I I know that one of them just did this once and then they played it back and forth in the original. Yeah. <laughs> right. In <laughs> a new hope. Yeah. Right now it is. And, and yeah, so, they just that reversed it and forwarded it a few times. Yeah. So that's where yeah. that comes from. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I love it. Love being able to see you know Tatooine kind of meet them. But uh, Travis. Yeah, you brought up Aura Singh, and that's one of the characters that I knew, like well way before the movie came out. You know, because of Star Wars Insider, they had a whole I think like a cover where she's just on the cover and um I, I thought man that looks like a cool character i can't wait to see her in action and and you just see her for like two seconds <laughs> in the pod race but uh but that's you know that's star wars for you well it shows you the depth how much they really care about all these all these people there's a really brief cameo in the force awakens by uh bazine natal uh and she's the girl in the all black who calls and tells the first order that these guys uh, are here yeah. at Maz's place. Mm. But there's a whole short story on her. And she's awesome. Yeah, I have that. I have that book. Yeah. Was but, it uh, um, so intertwined? Moving Target? Or no, that's uh, Princess Leia. Moving Target's Princess Leia. Yeah, but that's a good one. That's a good uh, character. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so the, wait, so the pod, yeah, the pod race... I brought this up again in the other podcast, but the that whole race is kind of uh, George Lucas's homage to Ben Hur. I don't know if you've ever seen mm-hmm. Ben Hur, but uh, that is like a epic, legendary race, and uh, and 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 I knew that kind of when I was a kid. I knew I, I'd never seen Ben Hur, but uh, I read about it and just the feeling of watching that in the theater with 5.1 whatever thx surround it was just just the most amazing experience that i'll never forget um and to this day i think it's one of my favorite star wars moments of all time yeah uh just not not only for the special effects and the sound design but the the fact that it's it's like a so meaningful it's like a pivotal moment in, for the galaxy and it's this it, i just i love when movies do that where it it like leads to an event and and this, this event is just so pivotal 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 um and and it's all surrounding the chosen one anakin and how he's we always knew that he was a pilot it's taking the form of a pod racer pilot at, at the very beginning. And, um, and so for some people who were angry and thinking like, Oh, you know, he's just a kid and he does like, 
how does he have force abilities and all this? I don't know. There's a lot of people who are mad about that, but I think it's all. I've never heard anyone mad about that for him, but that's a whole different different topic. Well, I mean, no, no, I, no, I, I do I, love though. At the end of the race, we get all this feeling of triumph and hopefulness, and then yeah. the movie's not over. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Of uh, but uh, Kev? Yeah. So Anakin's really the hero of the second act. Of course, that's pretty much when we meet him, right in the second act. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has this whole like mini hero's journey just right there where he wants to help he has to go through this thing and then he hasn't ever you know achieved this thing but he's gonna do it this time you know they're all sure of it and that all aside the homage to Ben Hur and the chariot races I think is amazing and it functions in the story in a way that it just shows that Anakin at nine years old is already very clever uh he's very quick and quick-witted and able to you know, just take any kind of situation and turn it around. He is an amazing pilot, at least of speeders at the time. I mean, you know, Naboo Starfighters is another thing, but still, I accepted all of it because he's the protagonist. It's a space wizard story, and it was cool. So I like the pod race for the function in the story. I think uh, it made Anakin a lot more interesting, and I love the celebration that he has. Even the little, you know, the awkward high five that didn't happen, you know, between his friends. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the worst one in film history, but still fun because that's that's real life to me. That uh, is real but, life. Right. And, and that then Greedo was his friend. <laughs> right. Yeah. All these different characters. Uh, it's just interesting that whole midsection uh, of the story. How we that's kind of the time we get introduced to Maul. That's the time we get introduced to Anakin, and then we start to see. Well, there's a line that Obi-Wan gives uh, that I think is hilarious, uh, and I can't quote exactly, but he's talking to Qui-Gon, he's like, you know, if we don't get these parts, we could be stuck here for a very long time, and I'm thinking about, you know, how he was there for almost two decades, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I did a video on that where I've got those juxtaposed, it's like, a long time, you know, the older <laughs> Obi-Wan. Uh, it's, I love those little uh, callbacks and sort of now, you know, uh, foreshadowings and stuff that, that these movies did. So, a lot of plus, fun. Plus that Obi-Wan line, why do I get the feeling we picked up another pathetic life form? Pathetic life form, <laughs> yes. Obi-Wan's kind of a dick. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's real sassy. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, you know, we, so when we're there, on, we finish the race, right? We do the little fight, and then they're zooming on their way to Coruscant, which... To me, this blew my mind because I watch a special edition Return of the Jedi and I'm watching the celebrations. And in the special edition, these movies hadn't come out, but they show celebrations in Coruscant and in Naboo. I'm like, I don't I don't know what these are, but, <laughs> but I'm excited. Uh, yeah. But it was cool, you know, um, getting to see Coruscant for the first time and, you know, that's where we first see, you know, or first introduced to Palpatine. And Ian McDermott's acting is so subtle and wonderful that, I don't know, I just love him. I already, I already mentioned his little tiny, like, half smile. Like, mm. I don't even know how you act like you think about smiling, but you don't do it. I, I, don't, mm. I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's also where we get introduced to the Jedi Council. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you saw it in theaters, Yoda was disgusting. <laughs> oh, awful. 
Oh, God. <laughs> I've seen clips. We were all thinking in his voice, like, mm. <laughs> I describe it as, like, uh, drugged up and, like, oh. half-beaten leprechaun. Like, Aww. if you ever seen those, like, 80s leprechaun movies, like, uh, yeah. that's what like. Puppet Yoda is why you don't do meth. Is, yeah, I was gonna say this is Kermit on crack. Yeah, but yeah, we got so to meet good. them for the first time and have watched you know their process and finding out he's he he's too old. He's a little kid, but he's too old. And you know, and if you remember, Yoda is the one that doesn't want him trained. Um, yeah. Basically, what happens is everyone eventually votes against Yoda, and he's like. I think it's a terrible idea, but, but I should cool. much fear you. Um, also, this is the second time we've had midichlorian talk, so I'm curious on because <laughs> this was a this was a hot button topic when this movie came out, midichlorians. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's. I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, Travis. Uh, I'm I'm kind I'm more of a fan of the treble chlorians, to be honest. But uh, the midi chlorians are great. <laughs> Very necessary. <laughs> a base chlorian guy myself, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, I. Uh, I mean, I hate you all. <laughs> me, I no, I've always been really uh, interested in like genetics and biology and um, stuff like that, uh, science. So the fact that they broke it down to a, a science did not bother me. I know it bothered a lot of other people, but I think there, as far as the way I see it, there are um, more than one points of view, like uh, Obi-Wan would say, you know, it's from a certain point of view. It, it, these midichlorians do have a, a factor in your force abilities, but it's not, it's, it's not the only factor. Not everything. Yeah, and, and so there's there's place for mysticism and the fact that there was some sort of scientific understanding that that was developed up to a certain point by the Jedi to, to realize that they're midichlorians, just like the way hundreds of years ago people didn't know about germs, but they knew about filth, you know. Uh, so it's kind of the same concept. Uh, at least that's how I rationalized it. And and I think I, I think it's cool. I thought it was a cool concept. Yeah. And as also, sorry. So that's just the Metaclorians, but the whole part of Coruscant, the Senate. Oh yeah. Jedi Council. I did want to say Coruscant. Uh, it was amazing to see Coruscant for the first time because, well, the it first time books. we saw it in the yeah, it was in the books, and and uh, I had read a lot of the uh, Young Jedi Knights books and. I was really into kind of that um, uh, up to that point. But also, I don't know if you ever played Star Wars Monopoly, mm. but uh, it's great. And and it existed in the 90s before, you know, when, when Star Wars was just coming back. That I was mean, when Coruscant has to be Boardwalk. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I would play that constantly with my friends. So... I knew about Coruscant and I knew how great of a place, how like literally great it was, a planet city-wide, a planet-wide city. 
So that was really interesting to me. Um, but then seeing the Jedi Temple that's on Coruscant, I thought that was kind of weird, to be honest. Like, a, a temple in the middle of a big city, like, it, it's kind of like a juxtaposition of, like, these peace, like, the Jedi are uh, a peace-loving, kind of like monks, you know, you would expect them to live in a beautiful, organic kind of surrounding. Like secluded uh, a little bit, maybe. Yeah, in the seat of power, and I think that's a, that's a message that means something. Right, right. So that was that was something that really was intriguing to me, and and then you really do see as the prequels uh, progress that that power play is is very um, intrinsic to the story and and intrinsic to the downfall of the Jedi, which yeah. is it's it's fascinating. And Jacob? So it's interesting. You're talking about how the temple seemed a little off and everything. Um, just the introduction to the Jedi Council, you really see a bunch of arrogant, you know, a-holes, really. And that's not what we kind of expected. And I don't think that's the way some people think about them now. And then when Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi basically calls them out for what they were with their hubris, he uses that word, I think, at least twice, uh, it, he's accurate like that's one way of looking at how they were acting even Yoda was a little highfalutin I think like it's just a little too much uh and that arrogance kind of let them fall anyway back to the midi-chlorians which was your question uh well the I, whole I the whole section of the rabbit movie. hole is great uh yeah so I I appreciated what George Lucas was trying to do with the fact that it everything doesn't seem like it's a this uh, post-apocalyptic kind of world, like, uh, you know, dystopian future that we see in A New Hope. It's the, you know, height of society. And so, of course, you know, the sciences and things, you know, technology is obviously a lot better. So it made sense that there was some explanation. I still think that the word choice was a little weird because it, like, it kind of explained away the mysticism of the Force. Uh, but the fact that they existed didn't bother me. And actually, I have a theory on this, and I need to investigate a little more. Two years before that movie came out, I think it was about, it was 1997, in Dragon Ball Z, okay? They're talking about Goku's power level. And it's over 9,000, you know, that whole meme? Yes. The lead up to that scene, it, he's like, what, what is his power level? It's over 9,000. Well, it, the same thing with Anakin. Uh, you know, what's his minute chlorine count? It's over 20,000. <laughs> like it seems like a, like George Lucas got in his head a way hey there's this cultural thing of how we can explain someone's power level with science and why he's so OP it's because he has this high midichlorian count we'll just make up this number that's that's my theory it seems to work if you think about it in the cultural context so anyway yeah. that's uh it didn't bother me I, I actually think it functions in the story but the fact that we leave it alone also doesn't bother me like it's not really brought up again so I think it's existence is being problematic is the point is that they thought they could tell this person is the chosen one because of this. And that's not how the force works as Han so eloquently put it. Um, <laughs> I love but, that line. Yeah. I mean, do, do you have more thoughts on the whole, that whole section, the whole Coruscant area? Yeah. Just, uh, now looking at it through the lens of like uh, Clone Wars season seven, where Ahsoka starts to see really the life on Coruscant beyond just what we see in the movies and how everything's 
you know, so clean and perfect and except, you know, when they're trying On to the top level, yeah. blow up senators. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, actually really interesting to think about like all the different levels of society of Corzant. Uh, but we don't really see that in the movie. Although you kind of get a hint at that if you know anything about how, you know, society works and uh, cultures and things work. But uh, yeah, that section was interesting. And then the whole debate on the chosen one and whether he should be trained. I, you know, everybody likes to hate on Mace Windu. He's like, bring him before us. You know, he's like, no, he will not be trained. It, just that swagger that only Sam Jackson can you know, <laughs> provide to a role like that. I thought was amazing. But uh yeah, it's just interesting to see that, like, the faith of Qui-Gon Jinn versus the hubris of the, the council. You kind of see, okay, I can see why this guy is a little bit opposed to the council at times. I get it. Yeah, so, yeah I, it was great. I, I, still, <laughs> who's the protagonist of this film and who's the antagonist? Like, those are still a couple of my big questions because to me, there's not really a clear one at all in the second act there's a clear protagonist and there's a clear antagonist but they don't actually interact other than Anakin falls on the ground and then Maul you know flies over him that, that's about it uh, that's, but that's true still, it doesn't bother me because it's like this movie is a first act to a three-act play as opposed yeah. to it doesn't have like it as a standalone film the Phantom Menace would have some issues but the fact that it's part of a bigger story it doesn't bother me at all I would say that the uh, the protagonist is the light side and the antagonist is the dark side. I mean, that's good. That's, that's one way to look out. at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but you're you're absolutely right. George Lucas originally wanted Obi Wan to be the protagonist of the entire of the whole Matrix. trilogy. Yeah, and he changed that, and, and that, that you kind of see that, you know. But uh, Shaylee. Um, well, as far as the midichlorians go, I'm a genetics major, so kind of like Travis said, like, that part is like, oh, yes, a scientific explanation. Phew! But, um, <laughs> I also don't like it, because if you really, like, Star Wars is not, is more of a fantasy series than a sci-fi series, so I do enjoy the mysticism of the Force, and, like, it as, like, a religion more. And um, that's one one of the things I love about The Last Jedi is how it brought that back so much. The mysticism, love it. So, like, that's a very complex relationship I have with the midichlorians. There's things to love and hate. I'm like, eh. I dog on them for fun. But, um, and then Coruscant is, of course, awesome. And it, it's so funny when you see the Jedi Council as a kid, because when I was growing up, I was like, the Jedi Council can do no wrong. I love them. And, like, I thought they were so cool. And then I get older, and it's, that's one of the perks I think I got experiencing it as somebody who grew up with it already there is like I can feel that I can see my mindset change so like I thought they were perfect in the Phantom Menace I was like well they're so wise and then I get older and I'm like that's so interesting that, like <laughs> yeah like, they're like kind of egotistical like you can tell they're kind of above it all I think they think they are and then it's interesting that there is some conflict between Qui-Gon and the Jedi Council even like because I don't know why I never registered it as a big deal but Qui-Gon really did go against the grain a lot like of the like of the council like even in this one movie it's it's an interesting conflict how there is a variety of mindsets in the in the Jedi Council or not the Jedi Council but the Jedi as a whole because like as a kid I was like 
oh, they're all perfect. And <laughs> like Seth <laughs> Anakin, and that's it. But like, it's a lot more complex than that. And I think that that's one thing um, this movie does a good job of too, is that we're like, the expectation is like, oh, here comes a Jedi. And then already right off the bat, you're, there's like that, uh, something's off. <laughs> something's yeah, from the first interaction with Qui-Gon and the Council, once you know it's there, you just see that they're already just annoyed with this guy, right? Like, yeah, uh, they all roll their eyes collectively. It's kind of interesting <laughs> to watch now, like you say. Yeah. And, and their, their interaction with Anakin was so cold. That's yeah. That strikes me. Anakin, like, grew up on Tatooine and then came to Coruscant, and, I, like, I just can't, I would be so scared. I would be like, this is so overwhelming, like sensory overload. And then they're like, he's scared. It was like so cold. No. And like, they were like, are you scared? And he's like, yeah. no. And they're like, we can see through you, you know? And I would, <laughs> I would and be then, like. <laughs> isn't that interesting how Yoda, you know, he senses that he has fear in him and that leads to the dark side. But, and then later on in uh, Empire Strikes Back, he talks to Luke and he's and Luke's like I'm not afraid and he's like well you will be you know and and so that fear the scene was terrifying as a kid yeah <laughs> and and it's like the fear is what leads to the dark side and so even then Yoda was trying to warn Luke you know not to not to give into that and this is a precursor to that and uh just that that connection itself is cool but but really the I think it, they are really dealing with it, him in an extreme way, and it's it's interesting to look at it and say, yeah, they're not perfect, and they're actually blind right now. They're they're going through the they're seeing the uprising of a Sith for the first time in centuries, and so and they don't even believe it for a while. Uh, I don't no. see how that's possible. Exactly, they're in denial, and and they're so like stuck in their ways that this is how things are done this is how we train jedi and and it's like they don't realize that something unprecedented is happening and so in desperate times they call for desperate measures and you know you have to ad adapt to to circumstances that you've never uh, seen before so in a way that you can kind of excuse it because they don't have the experience but then also you can see the weakness in just always going by the book for them was their downfall because, you know, that's what the, the emperor knew was a weakness for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and also uh, just a, a fun fact, uh, you know, we also get to see the ET species. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And oh, yeah. there's actually a little backstory on them, and they have a home planet. Their home planet is named um, uh, Gerblis. Uh, Gr Griblis. Griblis. Yeah, and, and Spielberg it's, backwards. It's Spielberg spelled backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> the so way good. they name stuff. <laughs> I was a little disappointed not to see a, a group of elf, like elf guys, you know, from elf. Help. <laughs> what do they call them? Kitty, kitty. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Alien life form. I've never seen that. Yeah. Oh, you gotta watch it. It's staple of the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I have the whole playlist. <laughs> My little brother is terrified of Alf, or or was when he was little. 
And yeah. there's like a commercial where Alf was singing something and he's just like, no, like my little bit of screaming. <laughs> and we're like, what's wrong? And he's like, I just hate that singing moose thing or whatever. <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, yeah. He looks scary. But yeah, now we, we move on to the final act of the film, right? So the, the return back to uh, um, back to Naboo, right? And uh, meeting with the Gungans, meeting Boss Nass, having the reveal that the princesses will, the princess and the handmaidens will switch off. Um, we get the, uh, this, the battle that was the main um, trailer, you know, where the, the tanks roll down the hill. Yeah, dude, that trailer that? was so sick. Woo, chills. Uh, so we get to see that Misa uh, no have a booba uh, fight, <laughs> uh, which also leads us to Anakin flying around in space and mm. the duel of the fates. Oh, so yeah. we're talking. We're talking the last act. Uh, who did I start with? <laughs> I think Jacob, uh, Shaylee. You want to start? This this whole like last act really ties in what I think the prequel's strength is and it's like all the politics I know it's like hard to understand as a kid but like <clears throat> the whole thing between the like it's been set up through this whole movie about politics but then like the whole um the gun the war that goes on and like the gungans and the um people that they making peace and like I just love the politics and I think this that it this movie just does a really good job of incorporating the politics really strongly into Star Wars, which it's always been a part of it, but, like, it did such a good job. And then, like, the last act, I cannot imagine how hype it must have been to see the double-blade saber come out for Maul. I bet that was, was so high. <laughs> I wish oh. I could have experienced that. I bet it was so hype. And then the last act also, which, like, I'm sure everybody's thought about this a few times, there's a main like Phantom Menace, but like it's so cool because it like in a way there's like Padme's kind of the Phantom Menace or like kind of a phantom mm -hmm. like oh you didn't see that coming like Anakin kind of is little boy came from nothing and then the Chosen One and then um, Darth Maul's kind of the Phantom Menace, Palpy's kind of the Phantom Menace. So it's like mm -hmm. you can see that theme over and over in this movie, especially in that last act. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's a very well thought out movie. I think it's just the dialogue is the only weakness. <laughs> I, and I, I love that you touch on the uh, on the politics in it because I, I I try to I try to write myself out of my own stories and stuff. But George Lucas wrote not only a world but a universe, like many worlds, and they all have their own politics and people, and like it's uh, it's it's insane, like Tolkien-esque, yeah. And you're where, where Tolkien was like making up languages and stuff. Like, man, yeah. y'all are much deeper than I go, and it makes me yeah. feel uh, inadequate, uh, which is true. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the the Padme reveal uh, again, like you said, where the Phantom Menace was was everyone. I mean, we know who the true true Phantom Menace of the entire series is but it has so many different meanings that it was it's insane and that's why i specifically said the duel of the fates instead of the, the mall fight because duel yeah. of the fates also has such a deep meaning where 
it's oh, yeah. it's a duel over the fate of Anakin's life and what's going to happen. You know, had Qui Gon survived, what a different way he would have grown up with someone that yeah, was actually, raised by a father and not a brother. Right. Yeah, and uh, just listening to Dave Filoni's you know speech in the the, the Mandalorian thing, just like just explaining that, and Beautiful. then me rethinking um, the Luke fight in the throne room of like that is the mirror to this duel of the fates. This this is the fight where it ends up, and uh, I, I I don't know. I I just love all of this and. Uh, being able to see the other side of of that, you know, the fight, like I mentioned before, that we saw from the um, from the trailer with uh, the tanks rolling down the hill, and seeing how these droids actually function, you know, when when the tanks stop and the thing comes out and they start dropping rows that and was rows epic. and rows of them, yeah. and you're like, oh, one of these is stupid. But there's a lot of them, <laughs> you know, and yeah. this could be a, a big problem. Like, ah, yeah, I, I, I loved it. And I, I think, uh, I, I, I don't know, after rewatching this movie, it's actually moving up on my, on my list. You know, I love it. it's, it's moving up on my list this, this time. Yeah. Rewatching it today, there was one little moment that I talked about the politics tied together really well in this last act. And it's when, um, Palpatine, like, at the very end, like, he, like, he's, wa he walks after everything's, like, settled. He walks so gung-ho, and he's, like, so happy looking, and it's, like, you know it's because that he knows his plan is falling into place, like, perfectly, and he's just, like, <laughs> and just how he walked, like, cracked me up. <laughs> it's, like, dang, that evil man, he's, like, and he goes, we'll be watching your career with great interest or something to Anakin. Like, <laughs> I was like, you. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I need an adult. I need an adult. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, and also that celebration music at the end, you know, where they're like, ah, ah, And then, I love it. you know, if you take that music and put it in a minor key and drop and it drop it octave, a couple of octaves, yeah. That's, that's the... Oh. So good, so well thought out. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And I was just, I was just say, uh, John Williams' music for this movie, especially in the Gungan and droid ba battle scene, is just some of the best Star Wars music we've ever gotten. It's and and I mean you can hear it's like it's just epic and it sets the tone um and 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 like now that i'm talking i can't even think it anymore but like a minute ago i was thinking the music but uh but yeah i love that whole section of music um that i just you know i recommend everyone like listen to that because it's it you you kind of don't think about it until you think about it <laughs> Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I half the this... story is the music. It's just so good. It, it so really good. carries the rest of the film. All it's of like, the films. Yeah, yeah. And I, I maintain that this film, um, I, I, I have this, this film had the greatest sound design until The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi actually beats it in sound design myself. But hmm. 
sound design wise, Phantom Menace is incredible. I I say it's top. I I, I don't I don't agree that Jedi is Last Jedi is better, but that's okay. We can yeah. disagree. On. No, the, the, the scenes where they had their force connection and like the sound was sucked out of the room, and like yeah. they're talking. Oh. It is and, great. Anyways, but but Travis, yeah, go on with the the whole the whole last act. Um, okay, so all right, so starting off, we have the the reveal that Padme is not Amidala, or that she has a decoy, and that showing of humility to the Gungans, allowing them to have peaceful relations, and then gain their army to fight together like that that was like a beautiful moment i think uh, and and really like a a teaching lesson of like a morality uh that we learned from that movie that you know making friends is even though you may be enemies it's sometimes it's just because you don't understand each other and 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 it takes humility sometimes to to really recognize that and then make amends and try to get on the same page. So that was something that um, our heroine in Queen Amidala, she, she takes the, 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 um, the lead in that. And so, uh, whoops, sorry, I thought that was really cool. Um, my phone's in low power mode right now, so I'm sorry about that. Um, so then, moving on to the duel of the fates, um, yeah, that it's just so epic, and you see them fighting in a way that's never been done before. Um, once again, the music. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can I can go on and on, but um, but but really, like that moment when Obi Wan is stuck behind the force field and unable to go and 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 fight with Qui-Gon and watching Qui-Gon die in before his eyes that such a brilliant scene because I mean that with the action and and just the buildup of that tension and then and you have that moment where Darth Maul is like pacing back and forth like a lion you know just waiting and uh it's it's just so nail-biting and like perfect um and then you have the gut-wrenching no you know and his father basically is being killed in front of him um i just i just remember feeling extreme belly button piercing is what i like to call it Yeah, and uh, and and to this day, every time I watch it, I still feel all of those emotions, and it never really gets old. Uh, it's it's a beautifully made scene, um, and just some of the best acting I've ever seen. Um, the choreography, um, it's just uh, you know, I I think it gets so much unfair attacks on on. You know the prequels in general for their acting and all of that, but it really is undeserved when you watch the Duel of the Fates in particular. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll stop there. <laughs> I agree, Jacob. 
So in terms of the acting, I think the acting is a little uneven, but it's partly because like this scene in Duel of the Fates is so phenomenal that it makes some of the other acting look a little bit, you know, subpar in comparison. But still you compare it to other sci-fi movies and it's like, yeah, this movie's pretty good. Uh, but it, there's just so many, you can tell where they really focused on getting it right. And that's one of the things they got right. I think even though I, I groaned at the time and thought it was silly, I still think it's silly, but it, I, I enjoy the movie because it's, in, in the words of Lucas, you're supposed to have a rip-roaring good time with these films. It's not supposed to be taken so seriously. But when Anakin accidentally flies off and, you know, all these experienced pilots can't get into the ship to hurt it <laughs> through the field, and he just accidentally turns it the right way. Now it's the will of the force, and I get that. So it's cool. So I don't I don't gripe about the movie. But, Shooting you know, how he accidentally, yeah, destroyed the entire droid army and saved Amidala's planet. <laughs> sort of on the side there was interesting, but uh, this whole thing with Amidala being her own type of phantom menace, it's really interesting for me to think about her as this 14 year old queen who has wisdom far beyond her years. And just, she's so intelligent. She has to be because she sort of plays this pacifist throughout all of her roles. Like she kind of publicly tries to act like one, but she's mm. clearly not one because she's been practicing with that pistol. And, uh, you know, she just was is able to nail people in one shot, you know, uh, just in the strategy that she comes up with is rivals any of the best generals of the Clone Wars, if you ask me. And it's, but it's believable. Like, I love that there was this strong female protagonist, even though she's sort of a side character, she still, in many ways, was one of multiple protagonists in this film and didn't get a lot of the hate, I think, from the crowd that now, you know, does that with some of the newer female protagonists because they grew up with her being like that. And so it didn't really, you know, they, they just don't see her that way. They see her as this person they always knew as one of their people. But if you think about it, like it, one thing it could have been even better for me is if there was some explainer, even a throwaway line of why she was suddenly this great marksman, markswoman, is that a word? A marks person uh, with, with the pistols. And, uh, but, but it didn't bother me because that's not the point of the movie. So I, I think, all of the third act really works well. I love how George Lucas, and he talks about this in a lot of his commentaries, how you have really three different fronts that are all converging together and you, you keep going back and forth and you build this tension up to this final act and it just, you know, like, which one are we gonna see now? And it's all happening at the same time and it's chaotic, but it's awesome, it's wonderful. So even the Gungan fight, I thought, you know, Jar Jar, I did not understand the hate that George Jar Binks got. I actually personally liked him. My first reaction was like, oh, it's like an organic C-3PO who doesn't have as good an English, right? Like, he's the comedy relief. And I, I always liked him for that. That was his whole point. So, and I just don't get the hate that people gave him. Um, I think, like you said earlier, uh, Travis, or Brandon, the uh, actor did a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, when you watch him in these behind the scenes things and just think, oh, this is amazing. Like, he helped bring this to life. Um, there's just crowd. so much about the end of this movie that I really love. And uh, even to the, the last scene where there are these little side conversations going on at Qui-Gon's funeral between, you know, you've got Yoda and Mace talking and then you've got, uh, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin once he's you know, got the buzz cut. And then the celebration, I think, is fantastic. Like, that's one of the things I put in my, what I love about the Phantom Menace video is this celebration at the end and how there's this peace 
but then you've got the menace right there, you know, <laughs> in the audience, and then everybody else who's kind of, and, but then you got that Anakin with the smirk to Amidala, and yeah, it, it's just, I mean, it gives me yeah. chills just thinking about kind of how that all came together, and I don't need it to all be explained. It's, it's and the orb. Well, you gotta, yeah. you gotta say, though, <laughs> the balls on Palpatine to show up to the Jedi funeral, just like, oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> well, and the fact that he continuously underestimated Amidala, but yet he always was still two steps ahead of her. Like, even when she did not go according multiple times in this movie alone, she sort of confounded his plans, but his plans were so airtight that it didn't matter. He still yeah. was able to weasel his way up to becoming the Supreme Chancellor. Yeah. Now, I, I will say that the book Queen's Peril. Oh, it's so good. Um, it actually explains all of this. Like the whole second half of the movie is the backstory in that book, told mm. from uh, from Padme and the Handmaiden. Like from before the Jedi arrived to them leaving the planet and going to Tatooine, leaving two Handmaidens behind, and what happens to those Handmaidens? You know, one of them getting tortured for information and all this stuff. Mm. That's all part of the book. I, it's I, I can't recommend it enough. I, I actually wish I can get an all like female panel to read it, and I, I want to talk to it with them because there's, there's some stuff that I know goes over my head. But um, I, I'd like one to more think thing. that. Go ahead, uh, That Captain Panaka taught her to shoot a pistol. He did. Yeah. That was part yeah, of the training. <laughs> and they, they definitely the had a close relationship, yeah. And, and so, like, like one, like in the book, it talks about how um, one of the girls is actually a forger. She just happens to look like her, and she was kicked out of the academy and all this stuff. But she knows how to forge stuff. And so, the the chair that's in the throne room, she created a replica of that chair that allowed them to build in the guns and stuff like that. Uh, which was Panaka's idea, but there's like little bunch of little like nuggets like that in that book that are just like just quite satisfying. Awesome. Mm. Uh, but sorry, uh, Shaylee, your your thoughts on this third act? Did I start with her? Yeah, you I started. With Kevin, me. I can't remember. Kevin had I do have a question about oh. that. So, um, you know, there's that scene when uh, you know this droid is to be commended, R two D two, Padme, go clean up the droid, and she kind of the the. The, the duplicate right like the uh the stand-in was like oh, go ahead yeah. and go clean up the droid i was like is it because she enjoys it because now i'm thinking about the way people look at uh, the misogynistic like dishwasher comments and stuff i'm sorry <laughs> shaley for all the men that are idiots like that like she just goes and does this thing while her stand-in is conducting business like yeah. maybe they already had a plan i don't know what's going on there that seems a little weird to me Unless she just likes her alone too. time. Maybe it's a hobby. I don't know. Uh, I think she's very committed to that. No, you're, you're, you're right. Man, I, I can't if you think about it, it's part of the deception, right? Like, for at least in the movie, like, if you think about it, oh, okay, we didn't know she was really the queen, which I loved the reveal. I didn't say that enough earlier. Like, when she says, I am Queen Amidala, and even Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are looking at each other like, how the hell did we not know this? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Even she even deceived them. <laughs> right, right. Well, the queen would not approve. Well, the queen doesn't need know. to know. I don't approve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. 
but I'll, in, so in that book as well, there's a ton of sassy scenes, like when Sayo Bibble sends them the, the message, like, oh, you must contact me. And then Obi-Wan busts in there, and he's like, it's a trick. Send no reply. In the book, they're all like, duh. Like, we're, <laughs> we're not dumb. Like, we all get it. But somebody <laughs> must have sent a reply because the very next scene you see, that's where we get introduced Well, Maul first talks and almost only time he talks in the movie. And he's like, uh, so the trace worked. Like, I guess somehow sending the message gave him the trace because I'll watch those back to back again. It's like yeah. somebody still must have snuck out a, a message or something because suddenly he knows that they're on Tatooine. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I... This has been awesome. I've got like a ton of new little nuggets of information. Oh, one last thing. Rewatching the information, uh, rewatching the movie, um, it's clear, it, it's a lot more clear to me uh, about Anakin's greatest ability, at least before he turns into Darth Vader, which apparently he loses it. And it's to see the future through his dreams. And as you watch it, You'll hear him mention his dreams several times, and they're all true. So, uh, yeah. like he in his dreams marries Padme, and so that's what that's what he does. Uh, in his dreams, he becomes a Jedi. That's what he does. Like every there's so and many someone times someone comes he, to rescue the slaves, or at least yeah. Yeah, he are, are you here to free us? That must be why you're here. I also like the. Uh, you you know uh, nobody could kill a Jedi and Qui Gon's like I wish that were true. Oh, there's so many layers to that. Yeah, he's also a master uh, whittler of trinkets. Uh, true. Deportment. Which I think goes unnoticed for a lot of like view. Like for me, you know, I don't even think of twice about that scene until Revenge of the Sith, and yeah. you see that it's still yeah. there. And then, and then you see it again in the comics, the Vader comic, and it's it's just it's kind of like it's like a totem, you know, like to bring up Inception, it's like his totem yeah. kind of. For some reason, the murder kind of outweighs the whittling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but you know, you uh, whittle it down to that. Wow! Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so so we've we've covered the whole movie. Um, just want to go around and get your guys' um, final thoughts. I mean, now that we have all nine movies, uh, does, does this change anything? Does it add anything? Just just kind of final thoughts. Travis? Uh, yeah, now that we have the full saga, I mean, I can see how, you know, the Force really... The, is the main character of the whole like it's the Skywalker saga but the force is a character in itself and all of these events like in the Phantom Menace that happened like Qui-Gon his philosophy is you know the force is is what guides us and um and it really determines our fate in a way and so when you see Anakin you know that it was no coincidence that they they ran into him and then in the end when all of those coincidences happened where he happened to be in the starship and then like i don't know what's going on i'll try to override it and then ends up like blowing up try spinning that's a good trick <laughs> that's a good trick 
uh, yeah, like, all those things. Like, you know, obviously the force is working through Anakin. And, and then all of those seemingly random and fortuitous events are actually, as we learn in Rogue One, are not fortuitous events. They're not coincidences. It's the force that is actually moving these things. Like in Rogue One, we'll talk about this in that Rogue One episode, I guess, but all the, all the individual characters survive just long enough to complete a task that will eventually lead to, to victory. And, that is, and the force is behind all of that. As Chirrut Emway would say, you know, the force is with me, I'm with the force. So, so we see that as a thread all the way through episode one and through episode nine, that the force is really the, it's, it's this impersonal uh, for, it's force, energy. Power, <laughs> energy that binds us. But it really, it, it not only does it seek balance, but it seeks virtue and 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 it's and these things aren't random, you know, and so I I think that's a really uh, it's a be- it's just as a whole it's a beautiful it's it's Star Wars, you know, gotta love it. And uh, J.K. Uh, closing thoughts. I know you gotta go. I'm sorry for keeping you, but no worries. Uh, so I think this movie stands up very well uh, to the test of time. I think the fact that it's so beloved today compared to when I first saw it and my generation was way too critical of it overall, uh, shows that, you know, even the movies that are being criticized to death today will most likely be cherished in the next generation. I'm hoping, uh, like I love them now. And if this movie or any of these particular films that have so much love and care that went into them, if they trigger you so much that you're angry and you spend hours arguing on the internet about it, you've got other issues in your life way beyond Star Wars. And so maybe get some professional help. <laughs> That's my real thoughts on that. I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Get, get some help. Some help. <laughs> exactly. I got to use that as a reply one of these days. Oh, awesome. Uh, Shailene, final thoughts? Um, two final thoughts. First of all, this movie, watching it again and everything, reminds me of one of my most controversial Star Wars opinions is that I don't mind that Palpatine came back. Like, a lot of people didn't like Palpatine coming back in the new movies now that we have all nine. Um, do I wish it had been set up earlier? Absolutely. But I did not mind it. I, to me, it ties it all the way to the Phantom Menace. It ties it all the way to this movie because it makes it very coherent. Like, who is the bad guy? Who is manifesting the dark side of the force that keeps knocking things out of balance? It's Palpatine from the beginning, from the Phantom Menace. So this movie reminded me that I actually don't at all mind that he came back. I just wish it had been set up better. So that's what, Mm -hmm. like, rewatching this, one of my favorite things from rewatching it was about Palpatine and how, like, man, just from the beginning, from... The Phantom Menace. He is just ah, <laughs> like he's so evil. And then also, I made a TikTok about this right before this, so everybody needs to go watch it because it is like ah. Oh. But this movie, watching it today, reminded me of like how everything in Star Wars comes full circle. So like, there's like just this one little detail scene I noticed. I never noticed it before. Other people might have. And it's when Obi Wan apologizes to Qui Gon, and it is like a mirror of when Anakin apologizes to Obi-Wan. 
It's like it came full circle. Everybody yeah. needs to go watch that TikTok. It is, everybody needs to watch those two scenes because it is so beautiful. Like, Star Wars is, like, it reminded, rewatching this movie today reminded me, like, how, like, it could just be, like, space wizards, space monks with laser swords, but, like, it is, like, got it's so much, so like, much poetry. <laughs> it's so well thought out, so good. So everybody needs to rewatch yeah. that scene where Obi-Wan apologizes to Qui-Gon and the one where Anakin apo- apologizes to Obi-Wan because the it is like the same formula and it's like so oh heart-wrenching but <laughs> yeah. my closing thoughts palpatine in that scene Ooh, i love and this movie <laughs> and it, for, for me one of the things that stands out to me is it's just trying to figure out exactly like what what should a jedi be and and do you know is was the council right like we, we know they weren't right but it's qui-gon right we see Qui-Gon do some shady stuff there himself. Uh, Obi-Wan, on the other hand, he is, is kind of exists as the best of both worlds. And in this movie, you know, we see Qui-Gon die and we know these Jedi aren't supposed to have attachments, but the way that he loves and cradles um, Qui-Gon as, as Qui-Gon is dying is, is something that's beautiful. But we also see him cradle Satine the same exact way later on when she's dying at the hands of Maul as well. And then, and then when Maul. he kills Maul, yeah. he cradles ah! Maul. Yep. He right. holds oh, Maul God. in the same way. So he is, he doesn't the have the attachment, <laughs> but he still has love for each and every person. And I think ultimately the largest message of this movie is is uh, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's um, you can tell the measure of a person by how they treat people who can't benefit them in some way. And I think that's the whole purpose of this movie. They run into Jar Jar. Can Jar Jar benefit their life in any way that they know when they meet him? No, he's a train wreck. But because they befriend him. They get all of the youngins on them side, uh, on their side. Um, is befriending this random handmaiden, you know, necessary? No, but that was the queen, and they just didn't know it. <laughs> is taking care of droids and stuff necessary? No, but that's like the whole point of Star Wars, and it's, I don't know, it's just this, this love that's uh, yeah. permeates, that's uh, like principled, and you know, not jealous. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. But it's, uh, I, I don't know, that's, yeah. that's kind of what, what I take away from it. Mm. That's awesome. But yeah. awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for, for joining me. Um, every time we do this, it runs longer than I anticipated. Well, <laughs> sorry, I will, I will trim these down. And, and, and but, um, lastly, I'll, I'll go around and I know Jacob and Travis has traded spots. So, Jacob, uh, where can we find you? So I'm on TikTok, Jacob and Parker. Also Twitter, also Instagram. I don't do a lot on there, but on all the socials, I'm Jacob and Parker. Uh, my YouTube channel, I'm still thinking of a name, although I've got one in mind. So I'm going to start putting a lot more content on there as well. The and peanut butter connection. Be, sure. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to be connected to my TikTok, you know, uh, links. So I'll have that there. Oh, cool. And Travis? 
Um, yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram, The Time Trav. Um, I'm on SoundCloud as The Time Traveler. And I'm on here sometimes. Yes. Travis is an uh, excellent musician on SoundCloud. You should check him out. He's got some good stuff. And uh, last but certainly not least, Shaylee. Um, the only place interesting enough to follow me is TikTok, and it's Shaylo Wren with an underscore between Shaylo and Wren. <laughs> Anywhere <Awesome>. else doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and I, again, I, I will put um, you know everyone's links and stuff down in the uh, bio or description field or whatever. But thank you guys I, for joining me. Can I ask one last question? Uh, sure. Did anyone else think that the Phantom Menace was Darth Maul? originally when you saw the posters originally yes absolutely okay because i totally i was like that's the phantom menace and then it was like a revelation to me when i realized that no i I held out judgment on that i was like i don't even know who this is is this the phantom menace but then as soon as i saw palpatine i'm like oh no it's him (laughs) (laughs) took me a while i I was younger right so I was an adult by the time it came out. So oh, yeah, if I yeah, didn't yeah. see it, That's then right. it's on me. You don't and, know anything about Star Wars. I get that a lot, but whatever. And Travis, if you were 14, that means I was 12. And uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't pick it up either. So. I well, I actually, was thir- I was actually 13 technically. I, I didn't turn 14 till July 15th. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, once again, th- thank you guys. Love all you. May the force be with you always. May the force be with you. May the force be with you all.